0: good morning faith fellowship good to see all of you this morning if you have your bible be turning to acts chapter 26 two more chapters left and yet our dear paul is not out of the uh trouble yet we have for a title this morning the trial of the peculiar and there's a question that I kind of just wanted to start you off with, um, which is just, what does it mean to suffer for Christ's sake? You know, I think that on some level um, with all the various things that we have going on as a class and just as a church and as a society, um, there, I think a lot of believers are probably asking themselves that and just trying to discern between whether or not it's self-inflicted or is this something else? And what if it's a combination of both? Uh, We know in Paul's case, it's a little complex because as we've said many times, we know that he shouldn't be here, shouldn't necessarily be in this trial. And the Lord has kind of would have provided some ways out for him. And he didn't take those things. We looked last week at just a a decision of fear, which says, I want to go talk to Caesar. Where he actually, maybe after this conversation for today's message, might've been able to be let go, (laughs) free and go to Rome on your own, you know, not in bonds. And so there's a verse, I, I just thinking about us, thinking about what we're going through and just how we're, we're processing with different things. Uh, there's a verse I wanna read to you. And it's in Philippians 1, uh, 27 and 30 through 30. It says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. And this is Paul writing this to the Philippians, talking about the various challenges that he's dealt with and faced and whatnot. And, and there you can see there is some camaraderie just for us and as believers, how we be doing what we're doing in this class. We ask every Sunday to, hey, what are some of the things that are going on? What are the praises? What are the prayers that we have? And we should be absolutely lifting each other up. But let's face it, when you're in your thing, it's your thing. Right. And you can very much kind of just get, feel alone in it. I wonder how Paul feels in this. He's standing trial. I've had to say, I don't know how many times I'm innocent and then explain why. And still I'm in bonds. Remember we said up to this point, it's been two years of this just back and forth. That alone would just get exhausting, right? And I love the reminder in verse 29 that it just says, for unto you, it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Guys, there is a guarantee that comes from you having a walk with Jesus Christ. You will suffer for his sake. And so the thing that I I want you to learn to do is instead of, oh, woe is me, Look at my situation. Absolutely bring your prayer requests. We need those. We want to join you in those things. But there should be joy to this. And the thing that I want to maybe flip on his head is, on some level, while this may be tiresome for Paul, what he's getting a chance to do by being able to share his testimony of transformation from darkness unto light is an absolute joy to him. It's a joy. And it's a joy because of the possibility of those listeners being so impacted by it that perhaps they might do the same thing. And so now it starts to help to highlight a bit for us and just in terms of suffering for Christ's sake should give me an opportunity to glorify him in front of others. So how is that going for you? Again, it's just the question that we have to ask ourselves that, yes, we, we have pinpointed all the wrong that Paul has done and the choices that he's made. But at the end of the day, at every given moment, when given the opportunity with an audience of any kind, the gospel is the thing that comes out of his mouth. Man, I, that's not true of me. Sometimes it's, oh, whoa, I feel this pain, Right. There is a joy in this life to know who you are suffering for. Paul knew this. And in this chapter, we see him on trial for the cause of Christ. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would just remove me. Lord, I have nothing to tell these people other than what it is that you are wanting to say. And so I just pray that I would just simply be a, a puppet and that you would move my mouth move me in in, in the direction of this passage and of the things that you you said in order to get your message across. Lord, encourage this body of believers and those that may not be believers, Lord, encourage them to draw nigh unto thee. Lord, you must be at work and we must glorify you. And, uh, And so Lord, we just humbly submit ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The context of of this chapter, for those of you that have not been with us, is Paul is now standing before Agrippa. Remember, we said that Herod Agrippa and his super sketchy relationship with his sister Bernice uh, are now there in Caesarea. And so they're there now. Basically, everybody's in front of him. It's Agrippa, Festus, Bernice, the accusers, everybody. Anybody that wants to be around is kind of now because this is kind of a rather public trial. And he's going to give his testimony before he's sent to Rome. Now, um, he is going to Rome. (laughs) And the Lord is going to get him there. And as we said before, really, had he not appealed to Caesar, he wouldn't be going to Rome in the way that we're going to discover in chapter 27. But that absolutely was God's heart for him to get there because he needs to help establish that church there. Um, what you see is it's it is thriving, it is moving, people are growing, but there's probably a lot of babes. They don't have what it is that he has because God gave it to him, and he's the guy that needs to basically distribute that information of just how do things operate, how does it run, how do we grow leaders, how do we disciple, all of that, right? And so this is why the Lord very much wants to use him to do that. But before all that, here we are on trial again. And so my purpose for you is this, to encourage joy in you rather than happiness. Because you may not be very happy, (laughs) but you very much should have joy. You should have the joy of the Lord. And that's the thing that I, you know, I always like to challenge believers just to kind of address in their own life is when, before you just start raining out complaints, we really, you know, complaints come out of the mouth very easily. And you find great listeners for complaints. <laughs> right? But the thing is, is like, can you, in the face of your, say, Man, I have joy of the Lord. I know He's at work. God is with me. Let me tell you how good He is. Paul, he loved moments like this because it gave them the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus to show how the gospel changed his life. And so, You may be asking yourself now, why use peculiar? Because at the beginning, our title is A Trial of the Peculiar. Well, let me tell you a little bit of detail about this. Peculiar means being beyond usual. In other words, special. Okay. And now you see this. There is one time in particular. There's two times in the New Testament, seven times total, five times in the Old Testament. And Titus is once to the church, specifically. Obviously, those that were Gentiles. And then in First Peter 2 9, and let's just go there for a second. I don't know. I didn't, I forgot to put it in my notes. <laughs> well, let's look at that. It is beautiful. I do love how it reads. Of course, you know this. We've heard it before. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So now the usage here is different. It's one's own property. So now if if you look at just how God uses this in the two ways in the New Testament, you have that I'm a possession and special, special to him. So now it starts to make sense for you just why is that Paul can use this platform because he absolutely knows. Man, he's special to God. And not because of the work that he has to do before him, but because of how he was delivered. And he's God's property. And so when given the opportunity, he must proclaim his name. See, that's the thing that sometimes I think we forget is the perspective by which we look at our our circumstances. You just feel like you're in them and you're by yourself and God doesn't see you, but you are special to God. If you have been saved by the blood of the lamb this morning, you have called on the name of Jesus, you are special to him. He stopped you in your tracks. And then he gave you the work to do the same thing and tell your story to somebody else so that they might consider the same thing. This is why I can't have these fleeting moments of happiness and lose my joy in the process. I have, to, I have to look at myself the way God looks at me. So now, does it make sense for you? Why, who's the trial? Is of the peculiar? It's what you are. It's what Paul is. I would say when you get a chance, it is a nice little study there, peculiar, because it links back in that uh, verse to the verses in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, let me just tell you some of these so you can write them down. Now, obviously, those of you well-versed in blue letter could find this out for yourself, but I will, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'll give it to you. So Exodus 19.5 is the first mention. I'm going to read that one to you. For those of you that no just in terms of a, a practice of bible study a lot of times it is very helpful for you to see the first time a word is used not always but quite often the lord basically is going to use that definition or that usage for the rest of the times that you see that word and so let's just see if that's true in this scenario so exodus 19:5 says now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then you shall be a peculiar Treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. That's a beautiful verse. That the Lord would call any human being a peculiar treasure unto him. I don't really see myself as a treasure, but that's also part of the problem. Right? That lower value that we may see ourselves, sometimes we act the way we think of ourselves. And so how beautiful is that? In 1 Peter, it's linked actually to Ephesians 1:13 and 14. I'll read that one to you as well. And it just says, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, listen, unto the redemption of the purchased possession, that's us, <laughs> unto the praise of his glory. You belong to somebody no matter what somebody might try to tell you, no, no matter the way you feel. I don't belong to anybody, nobody wants me, nobody cares. No, you know, I'm just gonna eat some worms. Isn't that how that song kind of goes, <laughs> right? Nobody loves me, nobody likes me. I'm just gonna eat some worms. <laughs> so it's one of those things that I think we need a perspective shift. No longer the viewpoint to be to look down. Only thing you can see is your own feet. Look up, look up and see the Lord, look up and see his field. I guarantee you, I promise you, uh, love it, you will find joy in that. And so what am I getting at? Paul's joy comes from knowing he was special to God and that he belonged to God for the purpose of bringing him glory. And so if that's his joy, then what's your joy this morning? Do you find joy in that? Is that a fact that you find joy in? Or is it just simply something that now you've just become jaded to the circumstances and just the hardness of life? You know, we're going to face trouble time and time again. It gets very old. And because you're not doing part of it, what happens is you just sick of this. Church becomes optional. Bible study definitely becomes optional. LFBI was never an option. Discipleship, maybe I'll finish. You see what I'm saying? All of these things just start, and the devil's like, well, hey, go in that corner and stand over there. I'm going to beat you to death and uh, see how that goes. See, the thing is, when we look at this passage, you're like, Hell, we haven't even looked at it Yes, I'm telling you. So now let me tell you what to look for. There are five key statements made by Paul during the portion of his his trial here. And uh, here they are, okay? Maybe you wanna take a photo of that. We're gonna dive into that. We're gonna look at that and analyze what it is about this that is so special. Guys, I'm telling you, just, you know, obviously looking over this and going through this and it just challenges the thing. I I have to change my perspective. I just, I have to do it. God saved me so that I could always have him to look to. Why do I find other things to look at? Why do I do that? And so... Let's break it down here. We have a lot to read. We're going to cover the whole chapter, so we're not going to read it all in one chunk. We'll read it as we come to it. And so let's read these first three verses just to get a perspective on what it is that we're saying, and then we'll go through the rest of it. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Remember, this is something that Festus wanted um, Agrippa to do, is to weigh in. He is more, better versed, excuse me, on Jewish custom, uh, he has a better understanding of uh, Old Testament um, uh, prophecy and even believes the prophets. So now something to this to mention to. Verse one, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the, the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially... Now, don't miss this. This is a critical verse. Especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions, which are among the Jews, which I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Now, I want you to take note right here. And just a little thing that I wrote for myself here is for us in in terms of sharing our testimony. And so uh, Serena and I went to the the, uh, Salvation Summit. Friday was amazing. I love listening to uh, Larry teach. This guy is him and Andrew Wong are the evangelists of our church. I don't think anybody does it any better than either one of those guys. Just I've overheard them, watched them, the comfortability that they have with it. And so, if they are going to teach on how to evangelize, you want to watch it. You want to listen. You want to tune in. Okay, and did that. One of the things that he had mentioned about testimony was that you want to tailor your whatever you're going to say to them. Right. And so that means that you would have to either listen intently or you would have to know previously what Paul just said for us in listening and reading this is that essentially he knows King Agrippa's background enough to know what I'm about to say. I'm tailoring so that it hits your heart, brother. Hear me patiently. See, I can't, I can't even think to share the gospel tailored to somebody or to even share the gospel. I don't have joy. All I'm going to do is tell you what my complaint is. Here I am again, sick of this. Why am I in bonds? You know, I should be free. We're not wasting a whole lot of time with that. What he's saying is hear me patiently. I want to be able to tell you something that will evoke change in you. Man, it's a great lesson to learn. It takes the focus off of self and back to the Lord. This is just simply him being like, Lord, okay, use me. I know the audience I have. Verse four through 11, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and I am judged for the hope of the promise made of the God of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Again, this is something that he knows Agrippa knows about resurrection. He's mentioning that to him. He's seen there's Old Testament examples of that, right? So he knows that he knows the scripture enough. Again, tailoring what he's saying to the listener. Very important. Verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do, man, that is, that's the key verse of that, of that section. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. And so here it is. I lived a Pharisee, but get this down. Religious pursuits can blind us from truly seeing the heart of God. So I'm talking to my faithful churchgoers that have not grown past that. That's good if we were checking attendance, but we're not, right? Man, listen, I'm not saying don't be faithful. Absolutely. I mean, that's the roadmap to getting in and be a part of whatever it is that God is doing in this place and being on a a ministry team or maybe even grow to leadership. Yeah, attendance is absolutely a part of that. But why are you coming? Are you coming just so another brother or sister can see that you're here? Or are you coming to hear from the Lord himself? And this example that he's given, just in saying his background and history is he's throwing it under the bus. (laughs) He's saying, hey, I did all the things. Y'all know who I am? Man, Pharisee, Pharisee, scholar, Jewish, all of that. Check all the boxes. See, remember, we need to keep in mind in order to keep that joy in us restored and renewed that we are special to our father and we have his purpose and his plan for our lives. And so get this down. You're not special because you're religious. So for anybody who might've thought that, you know, somehow the Lord was going to get up there and go, man, you made it to 10,365 days of church access granted. No, he will not. (laughs) No, he will not. See, that verse 9 is very critical. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. While he was the Pharisee's Pharisee, yet what he was doing is persecuting Jesus himself by persecuting the church. He thought he was right. Nobody, who could tell him wrong? He is Captain of the zealots. Romans 10, 2 says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Listen, I don't, it is not my heart's desire for us to have that. And if you think somehow that you're going to trick either, you know, myself or some of the pastors here or the Lord himself because of those little things, the Lord is looking at your heart. And the Lord will tell us. have some counsel, and we'll try to encourage you beyond that. Because see, again, a person could find it very happy to treat church like a country club or a, um, what's the thing, a popularity contest. Um, that's not what we're here for, <laughs> right? Yeah, great. You know a lot of people's names. What are you doing to advance the kingdom of that's at the end of the day. That's how you. That's that's how you help yourself. Well, I'm showing up. Okay, that's good. Then what? <laughs> you know. See, one of the things that I want you to just his convictions about the resurrection and, and Jesus and the hope of Israel. He mentioned that, and just very quickly, it is also just. So into again the whole idea that God is not done with Israel. At this point, him saying of these tribes, things are scattered and in a disarray, all like <laughs> to no end. And so he just proclaims something very um, prophetic in a sense by the fact that he believes in Jesus. So he automatically believes in what that is going to work out into, which is a restored Israel, and that it will be as we know the Lord's intention and for particular with the apostles and having those judge over, you know, preside over over uh, Israel. And so he is kind of giving us a little window into that, mentioning that but don't miss the fact that he was zealous against the church. You are not special because you are religious. There has to be something more than that. You will find no joy in that. And if you think about it, very interestingly enough, he found joy in the persecution, but not in God. That's a problem. And so that leads us to a great spot. The next one, I saw a light. Get this down. God is not satisfied with spiritual blindness in anyone. Okay, now, I don't want you to think of that loved one that you wish had the gospel. I want you to think of that person you're like, I kind of wish you went to hell because you get on my nerves. And maybe you have some other colorful words that you use when describing that individual because they are terrible. But let me just be absolutely clear to you of what Paul says of himself, okay? Chief of all sinners that the Lord in all of his goodness would even allow Paul to see the light is tremendous. See, listen, uh, for those of you that are believers in here, you don't get to pick and choose who it is that you're gonna share the gospel with. Okay, just everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. and as as the sphere and space in which you move and that you get into, you absolutely want to try to use that for his glory. Don't let that boss that is the word. And it would be easy on the boss. You already think ill of them because of how they treat you. They're in management over you and they're awful. I kind of don't want you to have the gospel. Because I don't want you brother or sister. (laughs) And then you think we're laughing, but I'm telling you, you thought it. I have. I can, I, there's a, a face just popped in my head <laughs> right as I said that. And it wasn't until I got victory really with that individual, with this guy in ironwork, is when I just started to see him as the Lord saw him, which is a soul that very desperately needed him. It changed my approach, it softened my answers. It, it changed our work relationship to point, I would what he would say. I would say we were almost friends. Oh my God. It can happen. It can happen. Change perspective. So get this down. Also, we are special enough for God to reveal Himself. You have to understand that the Lord could have just kept everybody in the dark and just said, well, delete. And he would have been just. That's the thing. If he just, had, if he just said, I'm going to just clean the slate with all of humanity, just ball this up like a Coke can and throw it in a bin somewhere, he would have been just. That's not what he did. So where's your joy, believer? Are you glad about that or not? I know you got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> but you're saved See verse 13 is critical. at midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me." See, second Corinthians 4:6 says this, "For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." It didn't matter that he was a Jew, a scholar, a Pharisee. Paul lived in spiritual darkness, and that was not okay with God. So He stopped him in his tracks. How did He meet you? What did He stop you from doing? Well, I can remember when I got saved. It was a pretty, <laughs> I, you know, I just came to play basketball. It's my my going to play basketball in the KCBT horrible courts with carpet. Whose idea that was? Terrible idea. <laughs> right? Terrible. Carpet and basketball, that's we just waiting to pull Achilles and all kind of hamstrings, all that, right? And so I go in there, Pastor Jim Lee, get the gospel. And it, and it just it was so clear. I had been in church my whole life. And it just made all the sense in the world. I'm like, "Yeah, man, yeah, I have any any questions. I believe all of that. And he was like, okay, well, let yeah, let me show you this. Look at this. You believe that he died, is buried, and resurrected? I said, absolutely. He was like, Well, man, <laughs> let's get going here. And so, man, we, you know, we did a thing, we said prayers, and we just I he asked me again. I said, I know now that I will spend eternity with my Lord and Savior. Then I went to go play basketball. And the Lord saved my hamstrings, my Achilles. <laughs> See, God opened his spiritual eyes. Man, yes, he had zeal. And let's, let's be honest. Um, he knew how Paul was going to be wired. That's the Lord just flipped for his own purpose. So he just used the fact that the cat was zealous already, like, Hey, man, let me just tell you the truth, because I know this kind of person, you're going to take off running. And he did. Right. He did. Next one. I heard a voice. Get this down. Knowing God will include knowing his word. I heard a voice, 14 through 18. Says this. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people. And from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. I love it. (laughs) To open their eyes. Why are you doing this? To open their eyes. Man. Just the fact that he said that so soon. He set Paul's feet in the right direction immediately. What we like to do with salvation is just hide it. Bottle it. Keep it. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. I'm over here. The Lord is saying to open their eyes. I open your eyes so that you can open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light from the power of sin under God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so your key verse there is is 16, but I want you to take note of Ephesians 3, 7, that says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Man, despite what Paul had done, God spoke to him. Despite that. And don't you hear when he's writing that in Ephesians, gratitude for what it is that God had given him. So let me ask you this. When you are tired from a difficult day on Monday and Tuesday, And it's time to come to prayer. Are you grateful that you have a place to come and be corporately with the body, lifting up prayers for the loss? See, because when you got saved, you you didn't have access like that. Yeah, you could come, but you're not really a part of it. You just, now that you're saved, you are a part of it. Your prayers matter on mission fields you will never step foot on. It matters because God said, I'm here, stop what you're doing. I think we ought to just, you know, and it's just getting my heart ready for when we have our celebration. We need to give praise to God for what he's done in this place. We shouldn't have made it through COVID. There's a lot of churches that didn't. I mean, just close their doors, never reopen lost membership, had to lay off staff or whatever. This place has grown and it's not because we're special. It's just because the Lord is here and we humbly submit and say, God lead us, guide us And however it is that you want us to be a part of this, that, and the other. And he's like, amen, okay, do it. Man, is there some gratefulness for that? Why don't you show him? I love here, take note of this also that the leader, the, the scholar, the Pharisee, now all of a sudden became subordinate. He had a master. Truly for the first time. Next one. I was not disobedient. Get this down. Worshipping God requires obedience. Worshipping God requires obedience. You need to know this. It is special to be allowed to do the work of God. Verse 20 is our key verse there. 19 and 21. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. See, Isaiah 55 says, The Lord God hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Man, I, it's humbling. Because <laughs> I think about at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, will I be able to say that? Now, listen, I tremble that you thought it. But what did you do with, did they turn into actions that meant you turned away? See, this is why it's difficult to find joy and you're always looking for happiness. And oftentimes, a lot of times when believers are happy, they serve the most intently. But what what I would, I think would be better for us to do is to just to find joy and just to be in the middle. And when it's difficult, it's fine. And when it's great, it's fine. Why? Because God is with me and God is, he's shown his to me. He highlighted a light on me so that I could see, Oh, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't see that before, but I see it now. Oh, I didn't hear that before, but I hear it now. And then what did I do when I got the orders? Did I take them and just say, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Or did I move swiftly? Cause the thing that you have to understand about Paul, we read this already months ago is that he was swift he did not delay man i i pray for some listeners this morning some that will hear the word of god and just go you know what lord i need to get right with you right now today before you leave this building you could do that and so the last one, I, 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 I tremble at the idea of saying the most important, but on some level. For sake of having continuous joy and understanding that we are special to our, our Lord. Is this I continued until this day. God expects for me to endure. Did you know that this morning? There is an expectation that God wants you to endure. Why is that? Well, you've been given special tools to complete his work. That's why, special tools. See, I don't feel special. So then my, it just affects my behavior. And then I just start acting like the world around me or what I used to do. And now I'm comfortably uncomfortable again And I'm kind of not even using the tool set that the Lord gave me. I don't use the counsel here from the church. I don't use his word. I don't tap into the Holy Spirit whatsoever. I just grieve it, quench it as much as I possibly can. Maybe so much so, I'm not even aware that I'm doing it. Because now what's starting to happen is my conscience is getting seared. That is a dangerous place, Bible study, that we're in Romans Listen, I, I don't want to not be able to say I continued until this day to my heavenly Father. I just that's just me. I so I fight against my flesh. I beg and ask God to show up in my life to see, give me His perspective to remind me of what my identity in Him is, not the way I feel or somebody else tries to tell me that I am. How are you gonna continue? How do you purpose in your heart to continue? It's been two years, y'all. This guy's been having to explain himself. This is getting old. It's getting old reading it. It surely would have been getting old for him being in it. How do you muster those words if you don't have joy? Tell me, somebody try to explain to me that this man does not have joy. And he can utter those words. I continued unto this day. I'm really saying, uh, if you would leave me alone, I could keep going. But <laughs> you're you stopping me, bro. Get out of my way. See your key verse there. Man, there's so many there to read. And I want you just for the sake of time to focus on 23. Because 23 is where the gospel rests at. That Christ should suffer. And that he should be the first and should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people, unto the Gentiles. Let me remind you of something. For those that have never heard this, and for those of you that have put your name, your trust in the name of Christ, go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. You know it, 1 through 4. It says this, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which, was, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. See, listen, the gospel is the access point to all of this. I don't even get to have joy without the gospel. It is impossible So now it's even more disrespectful for me who has accepted the gospel to not have joy. I should know better. Because I remember how I felt after talking to Pastor Lee. I remember the joy and excitement when I got home and I told my mom and called my grandmother in her tears, home the Bibles that she purchased after when I said, hey, I'm gonna start going to this church and they read the Bible a lot and I don't know, I need to study Bible. Bought thought Ryrie. Man, good pick. <laughs> good pick. It's that gospel. Listen, I'm not making light of whatever it is you're dealing with. I'm just saying the God you serve is greater. And it is in your best interest to find that joy that Calvary gave you. And if you don't have it, well then absolutely you should talk to me. Talk to Pastor James, talk to whoever brought you. But you need to talk to the Lord and we need to go through these details of the gospel because guys, that's it. He died, he was buried. And he rose again. And right now he is seated in heavenly places on his throne. I don't serve a dead God, a living God, by which is able to hold my joy in his hands. So perhaps it is that you need to meet with him. So my conclusion to you is this. You are special to God. You belong to God. You will suffer for God. Let this be a joy to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that uh, we would just consider this and just again, thank you for Paul's example. Despite whatever missteps, the man was faithful to the message. And so Father, I pray that we would do the same. Lord, forgive us if we haven't been, if we've been sidetracked or distracted or just, just sad unexplainably sad, unfocused, feeling as if you have not left us with a purpose and a ministry. And so Father, would you help us to get back on track by having your perspective? Lord, we need to be reminded of how you feel about us, how you think about us. Lord, I pray that this passage just highlighted that, man, somebody who thought he was right with you, Lord, you stopped him in his tracks and said, no, here I am. Lord, thank you for those of us that have made that choice that you did that same thing for us. I pray that we would live in joy and that we would encourage those that have not yet made that decision that Lord, that they would meet you today at Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.